Welcome to a new edition of the Neon Jazz Interview Series with Italian jazz pianist, composer, and arranger Enrico Perenunzi. We caught up with him about his life in music, COVID, and being included in the new Chuck Share songbook series. He still calls his birthplace of Rome home and has been one of the best-known names on the international jazz scene, playing with the likes of Chet Baker, Lee Konitz, Paul Motien, Charlie Hayden, Chris Potter, Mark Johnson, and Joey Barron over the years. He's recorded more than 70 albums under his own name, and there is so much more to do as the world opens up and hope is real. Enjoy the story. Thanks for taking a minute out. I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, man, it's a pleasure. I mean, do you manage a, a radio? Uh... Yeah, it's. I created this show. I've been doing this since 2011, and I do a weekly radio show, and then I do the interview component where I interview musicians from all over the world. Okay, that's very good. This is really something. <laughs> yeah, I love it, man. I'm just standing on the shoulders of giants here. Sure. You know, before we get into music and some other things that are going on, you know, you're in the new series by Chuck Share. Talk to me about what this, being involved with this series means for you. Oh, that's really a privilege. It's a gift. It's a gift because, you know, I mean, I know, I've been knowing Chuck for years. He's, he printed my first two tunes uh, for one of his uh, new real books in 91. And also I met him when he came to Europe. Uh, I can't remember that too, in the middle of 2000, when he decided to make a, a, a European book, a, a new European jazz book. And um, when he decided that he toured Europe and we had the chance to meet in Italy. Uh, so anyway, he's a great friend and he's for me the best, the best independent publisher for jazz in the world. Is really fantastic all the job. I, I mean, I am a fan of his job from the start, from uh, middle 80s, actually. I really like his work. So for me, be part of this uh, is absolutely a privilege because when he invited, I said, wow, that's great. We all these American names and, uh, you know, uh, jazz icons. It's a gift. Yeah, it's really an honor. Are you in Rome right now? Yes, I am. Beautiful. I... Actually, my uh, ancestors are all from Italy. One half of it is from Shaka, Sicily, and the other half is from Naples. So I went to Rome back in the early 2000s, and I have never been to a place as beautiful as Rome. Like to this day on planet Earth, I don't know that I've been to any place as magical and wonderful as Rome is. Yeah, I thank you for that. I was born here now, I mean, 72 years ago. Uh, and, uh, yeah, despite some problem that all the big cities have, I mean, I, I, I agree with you. It's really special. It's really a lot of history, a lot of, yeah, a lot of moods. It's very, it's good. And the good food also. Good oh, food. <laughs> the, the food's the best. In fact, I stayed close to the Vatican when I was there, and one night I just accidentally ran into a show it was a vivaldi show and it was amazing i mean it uh, it was just some random night but it was beautiful so yeah the whole experience was wonderful so probably this also helps to understand because uh, i you know i'm I, I was born in rome in italy that is quite far away from california from the united states and as a jazz a european jazz musician for me is really a privilege being part of that song to so really it's great. Let's go back um, and let's just kind of cover like 
you know, we're going through COVID. We're kind of coming out of it. We're on the tail end. How have you been doing over the last two years? You know, a lot of artists haven't been able to perform live. Things have been tricky. What's it been like for you? Of course, the pandemic was really a drag, just to say, besides all the vaccines and stuff, and also, yeah, by the way, I got the COVID after three vaccines, I got it anyway in March, so uh, that is also quite uh, hating. But anyway, about playing, yeah, uh, was a problem, of course. I mean, the lockdown was awful. Then after the first lockdown, there was a period where I could play a bit, but then again, out of lockdown. So, I mean, was really not a great story. It's quite a depressing story. Now things seem to be better. And uh, I have now quite a series of concerts to do in Europe, in, uh, in Spain, in uh, Austria and uh, other countries. That it's getting better now, but was not easy. Was not easy at all, I have to say. Let's go back to the beginnings of your life in Rome. Talk to me a little bit about how jazz became your interest and your career. I could say that uh, I found jazz at home because uh, everything started in the early 50s because my father was a jazz guitar player. And uh, by the way, he used to play with Americans when they, they lied, I mean, uh, freed Rome in, uh, in the second part of the 40s. You know, in the area where I live, uh, the Americans in 45, 6, 7 opened a lot of pubs and clubs where it was possible to eat <laughs> and to play. So my father that was born in this area had a chance to play with Americans and also to have some good food. <laughs> American. <laughs> but besides that, he was a very good player, very music, super musical guy. So when I was five and a half, uh, he, he bought a piano, used piano. Uh, I didn't know anything, of course, I mean, about pianos and stuff. I was just having my, living my childhood. And that was the start. And also, I started right away taking um, private classical piano lessons, but in the same time, he used to sit close to me and to, to teach me some American songs or even the basic uh, forms like blues. So that was a kind of private school. And the other school came from the 78s. I had a, a bunch of 78s, so Chet Baker, Jane Mulligan, Charlie Parker, Lee Cornitz. And that was my school because I, get, I got very passionate on that music. And at the start, I have to say, it was really impossible for me to understand what they were playing. Then, step by step, I was able to decode the people, mainly the people. That Parker became my hero. Then he stayed as my hero during my teenage. So I was able to imitate some that I was listening to. I mean, gradually, I, I was able to learn people tunes, uh, anthropology, now is the time, this stuff. Um, and then I started playing with other young musicians at the end of my teenage. Uh, I was hired by a trombone player. That for me was a turning point because I started playing with bass and drums. That was something for me because so far I had played alone in my house, imitating <laughs> with my left hand the best players like uh, Paul Chambers or Ray Brown. So it was a great patient. And slowly, I mean, step by step, I started composing, very slowly actually. 
and then composing became more and more and more important and now it's important i mean at the same level of improvisation even sometimes more <laughs> and then i had many chances an interesting point was when uh, i was 23 4 because a nice jazz club was open in Rome, whose name was Music Inn. That is a story. I mean, the, the owner was a prince, a real prince. Yeah. <laughs> a descendant from a noble uh, Italian-Spanish family. He was a descendant of the King of Spain. But he was crazy for jazz, he was crazy for drums, and he liked me very much. So he offered me many chances to play with Americans, living in Europe at the time. I saw I had the chance to play with Johnny Griffin a lot, that became also my friend, to play with Art Farmer, because uh, Griffin was living in France, Art Farmer was living in Austria. Uh, I even I played two evenings with Kenny Clark, that also was playing in, was, was living in Paris, and, and many more, like San Nistico, Ken Winding. So that for me was a kind of university, because playing with these guys, I went on in the language, I experienced it a lot, and I learned a lot. And then a turning point was uh, meeting Chet Becker. That was another point, that he really was, because, you know, in my 20s I used to play much, you know, in the, I was very uh, fond of McCoy Tyner approach, or Beachy Korea. When I, when I met Chet, everything changed, he turned me to the melody, to a different uh, conception of soloing or blowing. And so I turned to Bill Evans. Thanks to Chad, I turned to Bill Evans and I went deeper into the harmony and uh, a, a different way uh, of touching the piano and, and, uh, and building my, my lines. Yeah, no, that's beautiful. You know, and I'm curious, you know, you talked about your heroes and those that you admired. You ended up playing with a lot of them, like with Chet Baker and Lee Konitz and Charlie Hayden. What did you learn from those players that you in turn used to teach younger players that you play around? That is a very good question. What I learned was that jazz is a very serious matter, <laughs> first. Meaning that first, when you uh, improvising, uh, contrary that some people superficially can think exactly because everything is possible you have to be very careful because uh, you re improvising requires of course a lot of feeling but also a lot of concentration a lot of knowledge like I remember that playing with Griffin with Chet Baker even with Reconis I learned first to be completely into the music completely I mean no, no, no other thoughts are allowed and you you have to become music somehow you have to really your body and your mind your soul have to become what you're playing and uh, that was a great lesson for me and also it's mainly in the case in the case of Chad what I really or try to learn it was and is how to build your lines mean, meaning trying to tell a story when playing because you can play hours and doing all the best things, I mean, leaks, whatever, but maybe you are, you are not saying a story. And he was able, he also, Collins, or many more, were, were, he, especially he, he was able to tell a story with a few notes. And so every note was essential. So this is a land to give, uh, to give 
value, the, the highest value to every note, each note you play. Uh, that was the great, great lesson. So this is the lesson that I try to transmit to the students, to play involving all the feeling possible or the, the mind possible what you're playing in order to tell a nice story. So you've been at this for a long time, 70 albums plus, you've been all over the world. What is it that you like the best about being a professional musician? Uh, you know, it's, it's still exciting despite I'm getting older and uh, it's still exciting knowing that when you go playing first, you can play nice music and that also through improvisation, you can have some trills. I mean, they are not there. You have to, <laughs> to work hard to be there really in terms of concentration of, uh, of feeling, as I said before. But then the reward is that are some unbelievable moments. I mean, that when you play with great musicians, I have to say I, I, I consider myself lucky because I play with such good musicians like Mark Johnson, Paul Motion, Charlie Hayden, um, Scott Colley, and many more. So playing with these guys so musical is really a reward. So you share really a possibility. Jazz is a great possibility of expression. And also fun. It's fun. I mean, so, and also when you, when you have fun playing jazz, you can share this fun with people being there. So that is really a, 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 great, a great story. I love this music. I love also classical music. I mean, I'm not saying that because I had a good classical background. This is, you can find trees also there because you play music written in a wonderful way. But jazz is a kind of special in this. It gives the, the thrill of the moment. Now, when things work, when you work, when, <laughs> when you are really good, you can have really a lot of fun, a lot of musical rewarding. As I think John Lewis pointed out that the reward to play jazz is just playing jazz. <laughs> so, yeah, I think that is a great statement because it's such nice and it's so a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, that is. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm happy that still now, after so many years, I like to go to the piano to look for some new combination of chords or to try to to invent a melody, to compose. So that is really fantastic. I, mean, I, I feel I feel to be privileged, I have to say. So, you know, I know it hasn't happened much in the last couple of years, but for years you would have the opportunity to come to America to play. What do you enjoy the most about coming to the States to play jazz? That also, well, mainly when play the banger. I played the banger eight times because uh, Probably you know the story anyway. Shortly, I was uh, kind of uh, in bracket discovered by Lorraine Gordon, the the widow, the Spanger founder, Max Gordon, and uh, she she had had something in a radio and uh, asked for motion to look for me, and so I received in uh, end of 2009 a mail by Paul Motion asking me to play the banger the following July. I said, Wow, that's uh, how, how come that is impossible? So, anyway, when there I discovered that her Lorraine Garden had been struck by something she had there. And uh, so that for me was really fantastic. Playing there 
with American, good, great American musicians. I, the first time I played the Vanguard, I recorded there with Motion and Mark Johnson. And that was really, I mean, playing in the States is really for me great. Um, I played mainly in New York, but also I play sometimes in, uh, in, uh, in California. I play one time the San Francisco Festival and some gigs with Jolly Barbara, by the way. So it's great. I think that there is a special mood, a special flavor. I like that very much. I mean, people, even people not really um, super educated in jazz as a special way to, to, to be in relationship with the performing artist that I like. I like it very much. And jazz on the stage is something special for you. Well, we'd love to see you here in Kansas City at some point. That'd be great. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. Why not? Yeah. I hope that it can happen. You know, now, now things seem to be better. So, I mean, we see. I really hope it. Yeah. My final question to you is this. Everyone has an idea of who they think you are, your family, your friends, and your fans. But ultimately, you're the one that lives your life. So I'm curious, who do you think you are? <laughs> I think to be. <laughs> Thanks. I think to be a very dedicated musician that thinks that music is in a way endless, so even if you the best possible, in a way music is always better. I think that this was, let's say, use using expression in the States, my mission. It was a mission that for some reason, when I was very a, a child, my father gave me to accomplish. And I think that I'm, I, I'm quite good in accomplishing it. So, I mean, I think that uh, I'm a good boy. <laughs> my father should be, uh, whatever he is, my father should be happy to have both that used piano in the uh, in the early 50s. was 55, by the way. So I think that I consider myself, of course, always I can be better. That is clear, that is implied, but I'm, I'm doing my best. Let, let's put things in this way now. Enrico, thank you for taking some time out today to talk about Chuck and your work and your life in music. I appreciate it. Yeah, it was a great pleasure. And take care of yourself. Thanks for listening and tuning in to another Neon Jazz interview, where we give you a bit of insight into the finest players and minds in Rome, Kansas City, and spots all over the globe, giving fans all that jazz. Thanks to Enrico for his time, music, and story. If you want to hear more interviews, go to Famous Interviews with Joe Domino on the iTunes Store. Visit Neon Jazz at YouTube.com. And for everything Neon Jazz, go to the neonjazz.blogspot.com. And for everything Joe Domino related, go to joedomino.com. And there, you can see Patreon and PayPal links, and you can contribute to the Neon Jazz cause. Until next time, Enjoy the jazz, my friends. Neon Jazz.